Mm-hmm. All right. What's up, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Promptly Written Podcast. My name is Matt Garrick, and with me, as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, man, not a whole lot. Oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, we... I, I'm more excited, I think. Yeah, you should be. You should be. But we just passed up our 12th episode, which means we've been doing this for a year. So in celebration of our first year of podcasting, I, you know, we, we've been kind of wanting to throw like a bonus episode out there and trying to figure out a way to do it to say thank you. And what we're going to do is we are going to talk about your novel from Legend deep dive into it like you released it this year during the first year of the podcast uh we brought it up multiple times so i figure we might as well just take a deep dive into it, it took me you know if, if if anybody's been listening all along you know it took me like three months to read it but i read it and now we're gonna finally just dive into it so it's the first book of five right the first of five yep so what we're yeah so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of approach this kind of like we do the short stories just on a grander scale so uh i don't know this has been in the works for a while and i'm excited that we're finally sitting down to do it so you ready yeah all right so i thought that maybe we should just start by giving maybe like a limited spoiler synopsis so that if any of you out there haven't bought it and read it yet we'll give you that last little push to go buy it and then after that we're going to lift the spoiler ban and we're just going to go deep dive into it. So you want to give us just kind of your, your synopsis, maybe like a inside book jacket or sure. Something. Yes. So the idea is that, um, and this is one of those things that you have to give me some feedback on once we get into the discussion, but sure there, this, uh, the premise is that this is, um, an alternate version of, of our world. Um, it's the year 2017, but things are, Things are clearly not 2017 in the book. And there there was a blurb at the beginning of the, the book that in a physical copy would be, you'd, you'd pretty easily see it, I think. But in the ebooks, I never know where it's going to land you when you open it up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I styled it with a header so that it would appear at the, you know, in the table of contents so that if you at least looked at the table of contents, you might catch it. But it's basically the assumptions that you're working with, with uh, in this world. And the idea is that you know, at some point in the past when alchemy was a thing, you know, circa 1100, 1200s, thereabouts, things go horribly wrong. And, um, you know, you, you have, you know, bastard mutations and, you know, loss of knowledge and culture and religion. And basically, like, you just have this catastrophic, terrible things happen that stunts the progress of the world as we knew it. And so even though it's 2017 in the book, Technology-wise, you're sort of in this uh, somewhat colonial Victorian-type era with regard to technology and clothing and architecture and things like that. So uh, another thing that's not as obvious in the book, but is sort of like uh, you know an Easter egg kind of a thing, is that this all takes place uh, in an alternate version of uh, Northeast Ohio, specifically Avon-Avon Lake area. And the idea is you've got this gothic city that's been built on the shores of Lake Erie, which obviously is very anachronistic. But um, and, and then your main character, uh, who sort of uh, oversees the city for, in a sheriff-type role, is this character, Logan Hale, who um, his title is the Reeve. And that comes from the, the word that sheriff derives from, which was Shire Reeve. And so I just went with the term Reeve because I thought Shire Reeve sounded dumb. Nice. Yeah, so he's sort of like this um, Batman archetype, I guess you could say, kind of dark and brooding and solitary, kind of a very above board sort of character. Um, and he he's faced with all these legendary type things that um, you know that are buried deep in the past from all these things that went wrong with alchemy, and it's almost as if you can rem- you know imagine three hundred, four hundred years before now. You know, you we have bits and pieces of of history and you know you wonder how much of it was captured correctly and you know but so it's sort of in your mind but it's not really real you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so you have all these uh anecdotes and stories and and sort of like yeah this used to exist almost like dinosaurs you're like you know clearly dinosaurs existed 
but they're not real to you. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. In, in a sense that like, oh, kindergarten was real to me because I remember that. So it's sort of like, it's sort of in the past. People don't believe in it anymore or, or whatever, but all these terrible things sort of live on in people's imaginations. And this character is uh, at, a, at a point in the story where um, he ends up having to, in, in a manner of speaking, face these sort of tales and these threats that, that um, he always heard from his father and, and that kind of thing and doesn't really believe the real, but sort of wants to you know, make sure they're not, you know, because it's sort of his job to enforce the law. And so he, uh, he encounters um, a suicide that he decides isn't really a suicide. Um, and it kind of puts him on this trail of uh, obsession that that he sort of descends into madness in a sense as he um, tries to hunt down what he thinks might be a legitimate threat from the past. It's kind of come back to, to roost um, because the city that he lives in is sort of um, was created from this uh, mini like Renaissance, I guess you could say this uh, period of time that's referred to as the higher aggregate. And it's really a, a philosophy and a, a culture and a society that, you know, sort of envisioned itself as building the perfect city and there was a sort of a revolution with regard to technology um, from where it had been and um, it in a sense it's been let left to sort of rot and decay um, people still celebrate vestiges of this this higher aggregate philosophy but it's it's the city still kind of sets as a symbol of that in the end the in, this group of antagonists that that kind of come into play are are just pretty much bent on tearing that down and so he's, like I said, sort of has to face the possible reality that this threat exists and, and has to go out and face it. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that about sums it up, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the high level. That's a high level view. It's, it's very comic booky in a sense. Um, there's a little bit of Western-ish type influence. Obviously, it's, it's built as fantasy. So there's some low level fantasy stuff. Um I, I, I call the other day I referred to it as like a gothic western. Um and someone on Reddit was like, Well that just sounds like Weird West to me. So Weird West is this other um Is that a genre? Like a sub, it's like a subgenre and I, I'm not really familiar with it. I've not read anything in it, but I'm wondering if this would maybe fit in that in that subgenre. But I for now I'm just calling it a gothic western. I think gothic western works, but I think I would be interested to see if it does fit into Weird West because there was – I did feel like there was like a definite Western feel to it. But we'll get to that in a second because before we like start diving into like my thoughts and, the, and what I want to ask you about, um, I was just kind of curious as to like where this all came from. Oh, this is the fun part. <laughs> so like did you like come across like some – history and alchemy or something like that and then just started spinning or how where did this come from oh so where do i start so this this is where the stuff that i write is always in, intensely interesting to me because i like to see where my influences have have been able to weave them together into something that i hope is coherent mm -hmm. um and i get that the reader won't really have that insight and so i always worry that they will like the story less than i do because they don't have that point of view on it but um, it really started out, it was like a kind of a gloomy winter day driving around on a Saturday doing errands and you're, you're, you're in the mundane and you're bored. Um, and you think about the world around you and like, what if it was different? Or what if I was in an alternate version of just my mundane little slice of life here? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking up like different names for the cities and like you take aspects of like in the book, they, there's a point where they enter the swamps. That's essentially North Ridgeville um, because, you know, most of that city is built on swampland, that kind of thing. So you, you take aspects of your, your, the real world and you, you, you kind of weave them into the, the greater story. And so I originally started going down like a medieval path and I hate medieval stuff generally. Like I'm just <laughs> not, it's just not my thing. And it really fantasy a lot in a lot of cases I'm with you too, like, man. At least medieval European fantasy is not my bag. It, to me, it's kind of played out, but um, I, I kind of scrapped that idea pretty quick because I'm like, oh, I just, I, I don't think I could do medieval, right? Mm -hmm. But, but this idea kind of stuck with me about just this alternate version of Ohio or North America, really, um, in the entire world, at some point. But 
I started going with it, and I I always we've talked about it in another episode. I have always um, been fascinated with the Batman universe, and so I mean, as you should be. Yeah, so my mind started going with like, well, like a gothic type city and sort of like this lone type of um, figure. But um, I also sort of the, the whole sheriff concept is something that resonates with me. I have a sheriff character in the Driver series and um, sort of like this, you know, a Boy Scout kind of character almost who's like kind of above board and, you know, above reproach, but is going to face things that are going to cause him to stumble kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so I, I sort of made him not a vigilante, but he's a sh- like he's essentially a sheriff type character. He's the hi- the highest uh, lawman basically in, in, in the city and he has the power to deputize and things like that. So, I came up with this this idea for this character, um, but I still didn't have a plot. And there were uh, I was listening to a Deftones album, and I'm a I'm a big Deftones fan. Which they, one? They, Koi no Yoken. See, uh, for me, I don't know. For me, it's like Adrenaline around the fur, and then I'm out. Uh, uh, there, well, around the fur is my favorite, hands down, for sure. But I really liked this album. Um. It it was really nuanced and and it was the most prog rock thing they've ever done. I would say. Is this the one with the owl on the cover? No, that's Diamond Eyes. Okay. To me, Diamond Eyes was like the spiritual successor to a White Pony. Yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna retract my last statement and say after White Pony, I was kind of out because you have to include White Pony. How outside when you're of about the outside of Gore, I'm I'm I like pretty much all their stuff. Gore was. Not my favorite. But anyway, yeah, Koi yeah, no Yoken, so. I was listening to it at the time. Um, you know, at the same time, I'm in my car and I'm having these sort of like seeds that are germinating. I've got this this music in my head and um, a lot of the... Pl- I don't say a lot of the plot, but a, but a decent amount of the plot and the pacing of the novel were in- very much inspired by the album. Especially the first and last tracks. Um, and if you want to look up the lyrics, you can look up the lyrics, or I can read them to you. But we'll throw them in the show notes; people can look at them. Yeah. So they sort of give me ideas about just little nuggets of of like plot points, and I, I kind of ran with it. And um, you know, it's, it's especially the the, the last track um, coincides. You know, I always feel like Chino's lyrics. You know, a lot <clears throat> a lot of times are kind of obsessive. It seemed like to me, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, so I, I had this with the lyrics of the, the last track. I had this idea of this character sort of like obsessively chasing after this this woman, and I'm like, well, how would he get to that point? Like, what would cause him to get to that point? And why is he kind of after her? And so I kind of reverse engineered a lot of Logan's story arc, just based on sort of this image or this sort of scene I had in my head, um, sort of going towards the the lake um, from from that song. And likewise, the the the, the opening track where you've got you know, this description of this, you know, this, this woman's haunting voice, you know, kind of drove the idea of, of the, 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 the Wojin, which are the, this, this group, this antagonist group for Mm -hmm. the, for the book, um, and sort of like the prophecy or the, whatever that the, the guy in the, the first, um, the first chapter kind of sees in his head, um, all kind of came out of just little tidbits of lyrics. And I have no idea what the songs are about, you know, and that's, that's sort of the fun thing. I, music always is a huge influence on in what I write because it you just get a vibe from a song or atmosphere and it just sort of, you get an idea for a scene or a character and then you're like, okay, what do I do with it? Um, so there, there was a lot of that that went into it. Um, but at some point I'm like, well, I have to plot it out. I have to get some meat on the bones and it, it kind of went from there. Um, there was some Batman storyline in there. Uh, there was a... A series called the Destroyer storyline, where this character is sort of obsessed with the original Gotham, the, the the Gothic version of Gotham City that's been built over and upon by newer structures, and he's destroying the city. And so, just the idea of like the perfect city and all like all that kind of stuff sort of came from some of the Batman lore and and whatnot. But it, there's, I don't know. To me, it was fascinating to take all these different things and weave them together. But yeah. I'm sure it'll be it'll be lost on most people, right? <laughs> so. Here, I think I just kind of want to get into it, if you're cool with that. Yes, yeah, so I guess this is where we'll do, uh, if you want to check out, if you don't want to hear the the real spoilers. Yeah, yeah, because we're different, and I think a lot of it is, is like, 
we're just going to expand on what you were just kind of talking about there. But like, I kind of were just, I was, I was jotting down, I did a horrible job of preparing for this, this show. So I was just kind of jotting things down as you were giving your synopsis. That was almost kind of my cheat way to get to, to, um, be re-familiarized with what was going on. So oh, yeah. the, the first thing that you mentioned, um, was that it was an alternate version of 2017, right? And, well, and yeah, you, I mean, uh, all of all history leading up to that. I mean, basically from well, the 1100s. Right, but we were now. we were in a, a 2017 that is uh, drastically different from the 2017 that we knew, right? Sure. So I and and you asked like how that came across, and like to be honest with you, if you wouldn't have said that at the end of like chapter one, it was the year 2017, I would have thought that this would have just happened in the old west. It's just kind of felt that way. So I so I don't know if because um, I mean everything felt so different. You know what I mean? Like because it was it was a 2017, but they're definitely like technology barely advanced at all. You know what I mean? So because yeah. So did you did you catch the did you read the blurb at the very beginning of the book? I, I did. Or did you? I did. I actually. Okay. I actually have it right here. If we want to. Some people. Some people. I'm. I was worried that they were going to miss that, and that that doesn't explain everything, but it lends a little bit of context where you could at least make some assumptions. Yeah. I. I wish I had my Kindle here because I could just clear the reading thing and see where it came up. But I'm almost positive that like you know, like when you load a Kindle book for the first time, like it takes you usually to the first page of chapter one. Like it skips the cover and all the right the, the right. front matter, but. I, I'm almost 99% sure that it started on the assumption page. Okay. So, yeah, it was right there. Um, but it, And it was like, after the first chapter, you're like, you know, it was the year 2017, but I think by the time I got to the end of the book, it, it that had escaped my mind. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think that's a negative thing. I just think that it's it was you were so engrossed in the world and it was so drastically different from, you know, what was just two years ago for us. Yeah. And, that and you really, get lost I, in it, you know? Yeah. And that's I think I agree. That's fine, too. I think that really the point of it was just to give you the 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 from the get go that, hey, this world is clearly different than the world we know. And then then that's enough. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so. And then you it know, doesn't matter that it's what year it is after that point at all no one no one cares right in these in these first few chapters too you went you did give us a lot of like history you know we we saw the reeve like reading in the library and like preparing and everything so like i would imagine that that's going to continue throughout the series like you're slowly going to just continue to build the history of the world that they're I, in i do i do want to drop some more history but i i want to do it in, in a deft way where it's not just like info dumps. Yeah, uh, the the one chapter where he was reading a lot, it it got kind of. It it is it is, I, I felt it was a creative info dump because he's reading, yeah. um, I guess notations from other historians. So it, it wasn't so much just straight narr- narrative. Right. It was a little bit different, but, um, but I I can see why that would maybe get yeah and, you know and, tedious. Well, and this is what I have a tendency to read just in general. Or like your it's dialogue, your, th- your thrillers and your um, your thrillers, your horror stuff. A lot of dialogue, but there's but it's it's mostly set in the world we know, or not very hard from it. So it's not like this. This did have a very western feel. So that's why I was kind of drawn to that that gothic western title that you that you said, and then whatever this weird west thing is. Um, it did feel like a Western to me, which is out of my comfort zone for sure. But and and this like definitely was like some world building, because I don't know anything about the West really. You know, I'm not into that genre or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So this was all kind of new to me. So like when we were first starting, it was kind of a bit. It took me a bit to kind of get into it. But there was a lot of there's a lot of good stuff at the beginning, like the 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 suicide. Um, are, like I'm assuming we're gonna get back to more of that, right? I mean. It, it kind of kicked everything off because it, it I, gave us so, the ability yeah, so there, to... There, there are, there's a slight loose thread there with potentially um, why the court was so adamant about ruling it a suicide and not investigating further. Um, and that has to do with me not really knowing whether I want to make Petty John, Hiram Petty John, the, um, sort of like the chief magistrate of the, the court. Yes, um, whether I want to make him a bad guy or not, 
Um, I, the original intent was for him to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if he will be or not. But in, in a sense, there still, you could maybe as the reader have the looming question of like, well, you know, clearly it it maybe was intended, you know, Otto intended to kill himself, but was he was poisoned on top of that kind of a thing. Um, so why did they not want to investigate what looked like suspicious activity? Right. And I, I didn't I wasn't sure if it was like the influence of. um uh, what, what was the um, we met the guy with his thugs. What was his name? I'm, I'm scrolling through the book trying to find oh, it now. Oh, the apothecary? But yes, the um, apothecary. So it, it was... Solomon Leach. I mean, it, it seemed like everything surrounding um, Otto, Otto's death was... I mean, there was just... I mean, there was holes everywhere. It was just like... It didn't go through the normal process. It went to the apothecary and not to the... Um, the, the doctor. The doctor. And you had these, like, thugs guarding the body and then... I don't know. It it just seemed like it's like it's, it's dirty deeds, like straight from the bat. And with the Reeve being, you know, your mate, the main lawman, right? I mean, he's like the highest of the high, right? Right. Yeah. Like, and it seems like they're they're obviously keeping something from him, and he definitely wants to play it straight, like because he wants to do what's best for the. I mean, it's obvious, like it's made obvious through like the first five chapters before he heads outside the walls. That I mean, he he'll do anything for the city. I mean, he gave up like essentially the love of his life so that he could protect the city, right? Yeah, kind of. So, it, so the, the thing I was trying to play with that was, you know, his uh, he's got this weird relationship with his father. You know, in a sense, he looks at his father as a hero, you know, like a mm-hmm. war hero, and and, and sort of um, has inherited this protective nature from him. But at the same time, he kind of rails against it, where. Um, you know, he looks at his father as sort of a failure too. You know, because he his, his he allowed his obsession to overtake him, and he basically you know abandoned his family, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, which is so, well, remind me that you said that in a little bit, because I I just uh, I have something interesting I want to say about that. Um, because do you, do you think that Logan holds like a grudge against his father? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he uh. I think a little bit of that comes out in the brewery scene where he's sort of like, you know, he realizes that he's sort of out there obsessively, you know, he's in, in all that sort of driven from like his sort of desire to, to stand in the shoes of his father. But at the same time, by doing so, is he following down the path that his father did where he sort of let the obsession take over and now he's, you know, he sort of asks himself, like, am I following you too closely now? Kind of a thing. Well, I mean, um, I, I would say, I mean, just from my perspective, I would say yes, because and it, for anybody who didn't turn it off before, like what I'm about to say, like you don't want to hear if you didn't read the book. So get out of here. Go read the book. Um, at the end, he he just walked away. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he basically he does a terrible thing. I mean, I, I built him up as a as like a, you know, a, a character that was seeming not impervious, but like, you know extremely strong immo- immovable force right and then well even in his the book he's like even in his temperament like he was like he, even in his mind you know it wasn't just like a physical power like he was like he had like the mental power to remain focused like while you know he was constantly watching his deputies like kind of be tested to their wits end with the weather and everything that they were you know go, like everything that they were doing and then I don't know. It was just weird because, like, you could say that the father abandoned his family, and it, it that's kind of how it felt like what Logan was doing to me when he stepped onto that boat because, like, he committed his entire life to Belden Ridge, so and then he just kind of walked away. And I thought that that right. was I thought that that was really interesting. So I would say that you know he's he's the model of his father at that point, right? In a way, um, maybe I guess I I didn't even think of it that way, but I mean it's a good point. Um, I I kind of, you know, the and, and and there's some there's a there's a little there's a little detail in here that I don't think you picked up on. Okay. I don't think any I don't think any reader has picked up on yet that will be explained in book two. Okay. Um, and this will maybe explain why 
I didn't make that connection that you just did. I think it's a valid connection you made, but okay. the whole reason he's seeing like these visions of Clara yeah. is because he's he's hallucinating from the poison. So if you remember when he first reads about the poison, it's there was a line about in his father's notebook, some some commentators cite hallucinations. Okay. And that kind of is just that like that little subtle like, hey, contact with the poison, you could hallucinate. And in his handling of the poison with Otto's body, very shortly after that, he starts oh. to see Clara. And nobody's okay. picked up on that yet. Well, I think it's be. Well, hold on a second. Did we? Because people think she's like a ghost or a vision, or she's actually real, or she's part of the Wojin. Well, but I, like, I, you know, he's just hallucinating. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was like her ghost. And I think maybe it's because we 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 met her before we found Otto's body, didn't we? Uh in a in a memory, yeah. Yeah. So I think because the flashback was there, I think just I think that was in my head that yeah, I didn't I didn't make that connection at all. It's interesting. That's an interesting connection. That's an interesting little uh that's pro- that'll definitely um affect how I read the the next book. Yeah, so so essentially the idea was I had him following in his father's footsteps insofar as it got him out on the trail to like run down this this you know the Wojin, this person that they right? think they're following, right? Yeah. Wojin. But um beyond that, to me it was more like the hallucination taking over it's taking advantage of his uh, you know, obsessiveness and like sort of he can't let go the whole Clara thing, it still bothers him, right? That, well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, you would... And that sort of manifests itself in his hallucinations. It seems like that's like his one regret. Well, if you want to call it a regret, it was Yeah, because definitely... really she left. I mean, is really what happened. She 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 left town, basically. Because it sounded like, I mean, she she didn't have her... Um, there were, there were, she had her choice of men, it, it seemed like, and it seemed like that he was like at the top of her list and then ultimately... It was either her or becoming the Reeve, right? I mean, it was that was the line that was drawn. It was, yes, yeah, in her mind, I think it was. I think Logan sees it as compatible, like it's not a like a like a mutually exclusive thing. But I think she viewed it as like this is going to become your life, your obsession. You know, again, I sort of had the whole Batman thing in mind. You know, Batman right. is never going to have a stable relationship because his real identity is really Batman. You know, Bruce Wayne is the sure. the alter ego in a sense. So. You know, this becomes his mission and his obsession, and he's sort of, you know, he's athletically superior. He's, I wouldn't say he's quite a polymath, but, you know, Batman's like a polymath, and so he's very intelligent, he's very well read, and mm-hmm. that consumes him, and so she recognizes that. But the flip side is she's also obsessed with the higher aggregate, which he sort of has a disdain for a little bit. It's almost their religion in a sense. And and it seems like it's a religion of of the past, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Like it's just like there's it's 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 a minority. It's right? it's not even, but it's not even a religion. It's a it's just more of a philosophy and it in a almost like think of it as like the enlightenment. But it seems like more people reject it than accept it. Uh, maybe do you think that's fair? Not, not, maybe it's not even they reject it. It's just like it's not modern anymore. But like it still it. has its it's, it, it's the it's the foundation for like their city and their culture kind of a thing. And so it still matters, but it's not forefront of everyone's mind per se, except for a small number of people who are like legitimate commit committed to it. So while we're on the city, there's a couple of things because I didn't, yeah, I don't think, I mean, it was probably, I didn't pick up the Northeast Ohio thing. You know, you told well, me after. Uh, yeah, the fact. I mean, that's, that's not I, that's, even in there. Nobody, right. nobody would. That's just sort of me as the author telling you. So, sort of the idea. so, so would Belden Ridge? If I'm just trying to picture stuff, Belden Ridge would be Avon Lake, like right on the uh, modern. On the lake. It would be Avon Lake and Avon combined, so that whole area. Okay, and then we kind of went south. You go into Ridgeville. Um, you and end up west. in through Illyria, and you end up in Amherst, down at the Five Points. Okay. Uh, that's the corners they called it and in the, the book, which is an old name for Amherst, actually. And then where did the boat? Was he? He was back in Belden Ridge. Yeah, so he the makes boat it back to, from Belden Ridge. Correct. Okay, so it seemed like everybody in the city kind of shared the desire to preserve what they had, right? Like everybody had like the similar mindset. Was there like was it like walled off? 
No, I mean, it's just, it wasn't walled off, no. It wasn't walled off or anything. There wasn't like a hard border. It wasn't like an Alexandria type thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because, and there's, seemed like there are a lot of orphans. Well, like, what's going on here? What's going on with all the orphans? People just dumping babies? I, I mean, there's a there's an orphanage where there's orphans at. I mean, I I, I didn't number them. Uh, well, I got to tell you, the the orphan at the end. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to it right now. I'm gonna find it. Tibby. Because I was yeah, I was like, I was like, holy shit, this kid is brutal. Hold on, I'm on chapter thirty. It, it, do you think that that kid like? I mean, okay, so he comes back right, and. Essentially, the Wojan had just unleashed like freaking death upon the city. Like there was a lot of people. I'm assuming that are that that survived. Like hidden. oh yeah. So I mean, but there was a lot of dead, right? Yeah, like, I mean, so it was like a guerrilla style attack, you know, hit and run um, kind of thing. It, by no means was the whole city slaughtered or anything like that. It was, um, but it, it there are. It's just it was sort of like, hey, we're here. We attacked you now. We, you know, you're afraid of us kind of a thing. We're coming back. So, but, but that, I mean, there was a decent amount of death. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, this kid just looks up at him and says, why'd you leave us? And then you said you'd protect us. And I was just like, holy shit, kid. Like, chill out a second. Now, do you think that that was like the last straw that just pushed him away? Or do you think, do you think he would have gotten on the boat without that little kid's voice in his head so i think what gets him on the boat is clara because he is following her at that oh point. that's right he sees her right but i so the thing is whether he was there or not wouldn't have made a difference necessarily right okay um he would have put up a good fight but he single-handedly isn't gonna save everybody right he th- right he has this expectation that he has to do everything he can to try right and right. so and the kids it's... the kids expectation is his felt expectation that i should have been here when really it wouldn't have mattered, but he feels like at least had he been there fighting alongside other people that maybe it would have looked better on his part. But it's a combination right. of him being weary, exhausted, dehydrated, malnourished at that point, and hallucinating, and all the, the emotional baggage that he has from the past all at once after he sees his city slaughtered, right? Right. So he, he kind of breaks at that point. So... With um, Amelia, she's more of like. Would you? Is she's, she going to become like a, a Robin to his Batman? So it's it's funny you say that because I was waiting for someone to make that connection. I well because originally I was like, oh, she's Catwoman, but and that was just my initial thing until I really understood. You know, in like a, so in a like sense, then, yeah, she's in, Robin. In a sense, she's the Robin. But here's the thing: I hate Robin. I think he's the 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 glaring mistake in the Batman universe don't like the character at all. Um, but I just had this idea for the Vale character, Amelia. The Vale, yeah. the vale is her, sort of like her her vigilante name. Right. I just had the idea for the character, and I like the character so much that I'm like, I have to use it, even if people are going to draw the, the obvious Robin connection. So did she... I have to go back. Did she, did she model herself like after him? She like um, like kind of idolizes him? Yeah, she she definitely looks up to him. Okay, she was at then, a point in her life where she felt alone and neglected and forgotten and needed sort of a role model. And, yeah. and she identified him as like a symbol of justice and that what she felt was missing in her life was a sense of justice. So it, it's still unclear to me whether or not he, I don't think he fully trusts her yet, but he's at least accepting in the fact that she's not going to stop doing what she's doing. Is that fair? Yeah, I think he he acknowledges that like legally he should arrest her, um, but he also sees sort of like you Some know value. Well, like I, he 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 acknowledges that she's capable to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Um, he also acknowledges that like what you said, she's probably not going to stop doing it anyway. Um, but there's also sort of like that. Hey, when you see someone looking up to you, you kind of um, rewards not the right word, but you want to sort of acknowledge that. You know, in somebody when they look up to you, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so he kind of cuts her some slack in a sense. And then because of her ability to sort of get around undetected, he's like, well, I'm leaving. You know, I've got some deputies that I'm leaving behind, but like they don't have the same kind of 
behavior stealth. or abilities yeah. or stealth that you do. So, hey, keep an eye out, you know, because I know you're going to be doing it anyway kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was just curious. I I, I was curious about the, the Robin connection for sure. Yeah, I, I hate Robin. Hate him. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if I have an opinion either Ugh. way. I mean, I, I, I don't mind. He's like, antithetical word, to Batman completely. Like, like, I don't mind Robin from the 60s Batman. But it was so campy, it didn't matter. And then for the modern movies, when did ba- when did Robin come in? When it was Joel, Batman Joel and Robin. Sh- Joel Schumacher did a film with Val Kilmer. See, here, here's here's the Batman movies I give a shit about: Batman 1989, right? 89? Yes. And Batman Returns. Those are the only ones I give a shit about. The I new don't ones even like Christian Batman Bale, Returns. The new one. Well, I mean, Danny DeVito as the Penguin was kind of rad. That was a cool, like a t- like, that was a cool penguin. I think it just went too Tim Burton weird for me. And and Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I mean, let's be serious. Like, let's just be serious. That's you can't have a better Catwoman than Michelle Pfeiffer in the eighties or early nineties. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even care for the the new ones like the oh Christian really? Stuff. So the first two I like a lot. The the, the last one was awful. They're Christopher fine. Nolan owes me another Batman film. Like they're fine, but to me, Michael Keaton is Batman. That's interesting because he's totally so. The the thing with the first Batman, I love it. The nineteen ninety nine one. Actually, yeah. quick side note: they're doing, they're showing that movie with the Cleveland Orchestra playing all the music live. I freaking know, but the cheapest ticket was like, it looks awesome, forty seven dollars or something, and I think it might be over with. I think it was the twenty third and the twenty fifth. Uh, maybe. Anyway, that film is basically, a, 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 you know, it's the Batman universe, but it's a, like, it's a Tim Burton movie almost. You know what I mean? Right. It's, not, it's almost not even a Batman movie. I just, I just love it so much. Batman Returns more so in that direction, but. And Nicholson is the Joker. Like, he was I'm fantastic. sorry, he's the best freaking Joker. He was great. I don't even care. I don't care what anybody says. I'm sorry that the other dude died. That sucks. It sucks that whatever. Nicholson's my Joker. Like this is how it's gonna be. It they had that movie had the best fucking Batmobile. It did have a cool Batmobile. I, I just I can't. That's okay. We're 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 getting off track here. But um, why did I even get to? We were, we're talking, talking about, about Robin and Amelia. Oh, that's right. Because like after Batman Returns, I didn't give a shit, so I didn't see the Batman and Robin with uh, who fucking played Robin? Christopher O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. I I don't even think I saw that because was that the one with when Jim Carrey was the Yeah, oh, uh, it was terrible. Yeah, see, and then did Schwarzenegger come in? He was in the fourth one with George Clooney. Okay, see, that I was don't oh, see. I've never even seen that. Don't. I know I have seen the the Val Kilmer one. I have not seen the George the Clooney Val one. The Val Kilmer one at least I don't attempted care to. to be serious. I'm actually like I'll, I'll I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to the public. I don't think that the the um the Twilight guy is going to be bad. I don't know. I, I don't think see, he's going to be bad. I mean, he's got the he's got the jawline to wear the cowl. As long as he doesn't walk around barking, he'll play a fine Bruce Wayne, and we'll just see what happens. I didn't mind fucking Ben Affleck, but oh jeez, it doesn't matter. Well, let's let's go, let's go back to your book because I'm just gonna I'm just I don't I don't want to hear it from any like if, if he just if. If he wouldn't have said Martha, that movie would have been fine. Like, he ruined it with the one Martha. Why not just say mom? Just like, mom. You're like, you have a mom, I have a mom too. <laughs> like, it works the same way. It didn't have to say Martha, but whatever. Um, yeah, I did think the Batman, I mean, it was obvious that the Batman thing kind of, just in the way that they were so kind let, of lurking. So let me on ask the, this. Was it too much on the nose? In hindsight, I, I I wonder if it was it was too over the top. I don't think it was over the top. It was very obvious where your inspiration came from. You know I, what I mean? I felt like it was intentional to be inspired by that, but at some point, I'm like, did I overdo it? I don't think you overdid it. Um, the, I think the biggest difference is is that you know Batman was kind of a product of like the ultimate loss. You know, like it was just like I know it didn't come until later, but like. He lost his parents, and that's where it started, right? Where the Reeve, it was kind of almost like an an intentional loss. Because if, if you're going to use Clara as 
I don't know, like the almost the inciting incident of him becoming the Reeve. Well, he was already on, on that trajectory. It was a decision he made as opposed to um, like born out of tragedy. Yeah, it's not a circumstance thing. Yeah. So I, I thought it was different in that case. Um, and then, you know, it, it I mean, it felt like Batman in the West because you didn't have the technology. You didn't have like little you don't have a freaking red car or anything. You're just kind of using your. What was he using? Like he was like repelling a lot, right? He had like like um... I, I didn't actually have him repelling at all. Uh, Amelia Amelia does some repelling, but he's just basically he's just really limber using the force. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's another. So this book was very intentionally nuanced. Um, I get that stylistically it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but there wasn't anything in the book that I didn't intend to be there, and likewise there was nothing I left out that I didn't intend to leave out. But okay, I like. I like it to be where readers can maybe draw their own conclusions. And one of the conclusions I hope people would draw is that because mutations were a, a thing, at least in the past, and when I described one of his deputies, Grivery, people thought that maybe he had some mutations in him because of his bone structure. That okay. I, I, I didn't pick up on that. Well, it was very subtle, but like I was hoping that people would make the assumption that Hey, maybe it's possible that Logan is somewhat mutated. Like he has heightened athletic ability and mental capacity, and that maybe, maybe he's he doesn't even know that he's got some level of mutation in him. Oh, that's interesting. And maybe even Amelia too, because um, she gets sliced at one point when she's um, chasing out one of the what is supposed to be a Wojan scout, basically mm-hmm. out of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you note that she doesn't get poisoned, right? So. You could maybe assume that maybe she's immune to the poison. Who knows, right? So there's all little subtleties in there that, like, if you want to draw your own conclusions, you can. That's that's really interesting. So the amount of poison that he was subjected to by handling the body, is it... I guess I don't know enough about the poison, and I'm not sure if you said any, if you gave enough information about the poison in there, but, like, is it something that would could kill him? Or is it going to like wear uh, off? So I think the the implication is that because it when he was reading the description, it talked about it being used as like a primitive analgesic and that kind of thing. That in low doses, it could be used medicinally, essentially. And I think the okay. he basically got a, for lack of a better term, a contact high in this case. And um, he's he got enough where it's not lethal; it's just enough to give him these hallucinations. But essentially, unless he comes in contact with it again, it could potentially wear off, right? Yeah, the the uh, that that's the assumption is that so he, so he could be on this boat in the second book and then it could wear off and he'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, that's interesting because I I I would say the one thing that that really bothered me was the way that it was so built up at the beginning of the book, like how much how dedicated he was to the city. And then at the end, instead of sticking around to, like, rebuild and, like, he could build up, you know, um, he could build up, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, protection. Like, you know, he could build, like, barriers or something or prepare the people there for when they come back or whatever. And instead, he's like, fuck it, I'm out. And I was just like, wow, dude, like, really? In the review that I got out of the the self-published fantasy blog off contest is that they thought the character was overpowered. And I I agree to a certain extent he was, but it, it was sort of intentional because I wanted to set up this, like I said, this 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 character that seemed immovable, you know, not perfect, but definitely, um, you know, not prone to, to mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then see him kind of fall a little bit and and stumble and kind of get into a point where he's sort of beneath the level of what he thought he could stoop to in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, for him at the beginning of the book, if you would have told him, Hey, you're going to be getting on a boat and sailing away from the city at the point where it needs you the most, he would have never believed you. Right. 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 The the trajectory of him kind of going down that path of obsession and in quasi madness hallucination is like kind of brings him down a level. And so it's going to set him up for the rest of the series for him to kind of win, win back sort of his, his, his honor for lack of a better word. Right. Yeah, I did read that in that review. And the the other thing I did agree with, and I'm not sure if this is just like the genre or what it is, but when they were talking about the pacing, because it did, it kicked off strong. 
And then once he left, it seemed like it was just, I mean, and it was a lot of searching and that's what he was doing. He, you know, he was out there looking and, uh, I just, I, I kind of wanted to see a little more action while we were out there. Yeah. So part, part of that was due to me trying to mirror the pace of that album a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but the other part of it was, and this is more so I was really trying to, you know, cause it's like this drudgery, you know, it, it you have to be so focused and the weather's not cooperating and there's the fear of like, there's something out there, but we don't know what it is. You know, they, they, right. they encounter the retchels, which they have to fight, you know, in the swamps. And that's like terrifying to them. And like, I wanted to, the reader to feel the drudgery of like, man, this is just like this slow grind of like searching and searching and get in the mindset of like, I'm out here and I'm turning up nothing. When's something going to happen? And I, I, I do, I will grant you that it goes on maybe just a, a smidge too long. But again, that was intentional. I'm trying to get the reader uneasy of like, man, like. Because you wanted them to feel the isolation that they felt. Yeah. Like, so that at the point where like things start to happen, you're like, oh man, like we're in the wrong place to be and we're already demoralized and worn out and exhausted and cold and tired. And now I've got to, now I've got to respond to this, this threat. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I, I I think I told you this offline, but I'm going to say it again, just for the sake of the podcast. I was like, so the, the two major interactions when they were out searching were with the Retchels, right? Mm -hmm. And then the Brewers. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So we got to the Brewers and I was sitting there and I was like, okay. And we knew, like, you had presented it to us that there were people out there, like, they might be on our side, they might not. Right. So we might, we might like, run into people that aren't necessarily going to be aligned with our views. Yeah, they're just the so people with a no trespassing sign. That's all they are, basically. So then you get to these brewers and I'm like, man, they're in for some shit here. Like, something's going to happen here. Like, these guys are up to no good. And then, you, like, they're, they're doing the beers and everything. And I think you, you uh, put, I think you definitely inserted some of your love for beer into the, into the scene. I, cr I created the, uh, the creation of IPA, basically, in that, and that's that, that brewery scene there. Which I'm going to go on record for saying is terrible, awful, awful beer that nobody should ever drink. Like, get, get this. I'm, I like, I don't know what this well, IPA is all about. Actually, here's the thing. About. I'm into bourbon now. I'm, a, I'm actually taking a break from beer, so. Okay, we'll have a discussion off. Maybe bourbon, maybe bourbon will come up in the next book. Yeah, we'll have a discussion about that. All right. But it was like, there was, I think it was it right at the end of that scene where he was like, okay, I got something special for you. And I was like, oh, shit, they're going to poison him. They're going to beat him. They're going to hang him upside down. They're going to kill his ass. They're going to do something. They're going to do something. And then it was just like he drank the beer and then they went to sleep. And I was like, damn it. But well, it's all right. Well, so, but you forgot about, there's a, there's a, there's another sighting of um, another hallucination tucked in there that I tried to make him each, you know, each memory more and more intense and more and more obsessive. And the, these hallucinations become more, they affect him more. And try to make it more crazy. So, I'm going to go back to the Wojan just in general, okay. and I, I'm just I'm just curious because I got like a almost a White Walker feel, and I know that they're not like zombies or anything, but just in the in the sense that you know it was like oh they've been gone forever, they're not back. You know what I mean? Did 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 this? Did you start writing this while on a Game of Thrones binge or anything like that? Uh, I mean, we were watching Game of Thrones while I was writing, but that wasn't the influence. So the way this came in was, you know, with the whole Batman, um, part of the the Batman canon, or at least one accepted version of it, I think is he goes to Japan to train to learn how to fight and that kind of stuff before he becomes a Batman. Yeah. And so I had the, because I had the Batman on the brain, I had the Japan thing on the brain. I'm like, well, what, wouldn't it be interesting if the Japanese had settled parts of North America before Europeans did? And so oh, okay. the assumption is that they've done so, right? Um, but the, you know, because th this, this alternate history is not totally different than ours, right? So there's some things that are similar and some things that just, aren't. You're just tweaking it. Yeah, I'm tweaking and it. Things happen out of order, different locations, but things are still it's those recognizable. those little tweaks that, that change everything, right. like, drastically. And so yeah, yeah. The, the history that doesn't come out in this book, that will, but that will start to come out in the next books, is that basically you have a group that's that's that comes to they're fleeing some type of horrific alchemy fueled persecution from Japan and they come and settle on the west coast begin to move eastward 
and there's a group that basically intermarries with um uh I think I I think it's going to be Comanches but I haven't I don't have that all ironed out yet but intermarries with them and start a new group and then they encounter something you know another one of these sort of like you know Right now, I'm going to call it a being. I'm not sure what they're going to... They encounter so, something that, that, that imparts this mutation on them that turns them evil. So the Wojin are mutated, then? The Wojin are mutated. Okay. But they're, they're still essentially... They look like people, but they're they're super athletic, um, you know, and they're, they're extremely vicious. And, and the whole reason why I decided to go with that type of intertwining was it really boils down to I was really intrigued with the fighting styles of... Um, not only Native Americans with like, um, you know, the theatricality and the guerrilla warfare and the hit and run tactics along with sort of the ninja kind of, uh, concept too, where like, it's all about infiltration and assassination and arson and, um, you know, they're, they're among you and you don't even know it kind of a thing. And so I thought, well, like that would make a pretty formidable foe, right? I would say that's a, I mean, that's a really interesting combination, but I made them mutated so that like, you know, that would give them a reason to be evil and destructive. Right. But then at the same time, if we're, if we're operating under the assumption that the Reeve has a slight mutation as well, then he could, he could be a believable like opposition for them. Maybe. And I, I haven't, I haven't ruled out whether or not he is mutated, but the the possibility is there. But that that just sort of explains their sort of, and it's 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 a physical mutation, but it's also I think in their case more of a mental mutation because it just turns them into like this destructive force, which is sort of maybe a fantasy trope. But you know, I'm that's how I'm spinning it in in, in this case. But um, I don't want them to be a blunt force either, though. I want there to be some thought behind them, so I need to develop their sort of philosophy a little bit too. But yeah, they're they're interesting. Yeah, so that's sort of the idea behind them, and there's a few small nods to 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 that. So some of their armor, like the the leather plate armor, is sort of reminiscent of a samurai. Um, you know, Logan's father's sword that he has handed down to him is basically a samurai sword. Um, but then there's also some of the face paint and stuff, which would you know kind of lend itself to more of a, a Native American kind of feel. So I, I try to do it without being too on the nose. Yeah, yeah. You know, but because it's, it's an entirely new thing, too. I didn't want to, like, have somebody running around with a samurai sword and a headdress because that, that would just be, that would be stupid. <laughs> it's silly, right? Um, okay, so I've a, I just have a couple more questions, and they're kind of going to get into spoiler territory for well, if we're not already what there, you have then... coming. Oh, what we have coming, okay. Yeah, so you can, you can not answer if you don't want to. But, like, I was just thinking about the mutation thing. And it's just like, is whatever caused the mutation still out there? Like to the point where like, let's say Logan wanted to expose himself to the mutation in order to defend the city better. Is that something that would be possible? Uh, I think it would be logically possible in this world, but I I wouldn't say it's on the, the roadmap. I mean, there's not one given mutation. It's just, you know, like I said, Things that went awry in the past, I don't ever really outline the extent of what all happened. It's just sort of like bad things happened. You lose knowledge, culture, religion, and society crumbles, and we're still trying to catch up kind of thing. Okay. Um, Another question I have is, are we going to get answers to whether Clara is still alive, single whatever people seem really invested in her and seem to think that she's going to play a big part in the rest of the books but honestly it's it's, i I know she drives a lot of uh, logan's motivations in the book but yeah but the fact that she's never she's not really in the book it's all memories and hallucinations so i guess my question is is he ever going to get closure surrounding that because it's obviously something that's weighing at this point as far as i'm concerned she's dead is he going to find out I don't, I don't know how he could find out. I mean, she left and who knows where she went, you know? She could be in Kentucky for all we know. I was, I was just curious. Yeah, I, I, I don't currently have plans to bring her back. I won't say, never say never, but right now I don't have plans to bring her back. Okay, so then I'm assuming the, the apothecary and the alchemy stuff is going to get ramped up a little bit. 
So the the apothecary and his little henchmen were my attempt to begin my kind of rogues gallery for for uh, Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like how Batman has like the Joker and the Penguin and all that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you remember one of the stories we did in the podcast um, earlier in the year, I introduced the bookkeeper. So he's also going to be one of those kind of rogues gallery characters that will show up in the second book. And I'm really excited for what I'm going to do with him. Um, you know, because he's got all these books that he wants to like bring the narrative to life and reenact these horrific, horrific things that happen in books. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really am excited to to get him going. So uh, I'm assuming then at the same time, we're going to get a little more about like the corruption of the um, of like the city of, of the legal. What do you call it? the like the magistrate or the board or? Yeah, the 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 magistrates for the court. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not sure where I want to go. I don't know if I, if I want to have them already in league with the Wojan or if it's something that will be a matter of survival for them later on. I don't I don't have that ironed out yet. OK, OK. And then I, I couldn't help but notice at the well, I mean, I think everybody noticed at the end of the book when he decided he needed to get back to Belden Ridge, he was kind of like, screw my deputies. They'll get there when they get there. I need to go as fast as possible. Right. Like to the point where he was afraid his horse was going to die on the way, I believe. Yeah, because you can't run a horse full blast like, you know, like you right. see in a movie or something. I mean, you got to you got to keep him at a trot if you're going a far distance. So, so are the are the deputies going to be scorned because of that? Like, do you think scorned like, by who? By Logan, like, are they going to be like you just left us here? Oh, um, after we followed you around and like we're pretty much like at your whim. I don't, I don't know. So I I I definitely there's so the, what's going to happen with Logan if you want me to say? Uh, you know, I'm going to leave that up to you because you're definitely going to want to sell that second book, right? Well, I, so I don't want to I don't get into exact details of how it happens, but basically, he's going to have his work cut out for him when he gets back, and you know, there's going to be groups of people who want to strip his title from him. Sure, he abandoned him, right? Right. And then there's other people who are still maybe going to believe in him and maybe, you know, but only to the extent that they acknowledge that he has to, like, earn the title back kind of a thing. So I think it'll be a mixed bag with with depending on who he's up against. Right. And I, I mean, I guess I guess that makes sense because there's probably going to be a decent passage of time between the time he got on the boat and the time he gets back because... If our main sources of transportations are via water and horse and everything, even if he's out in the middle of, I'm assuming, Lake Erie. Yeah, he's on his way to Canada, basically. And then he decides he wants to go back. Like, he's going to have to either get to Canada and get somebody else to take him back or convince the people on that boat to take him back. And that's going to be enough time for everybody to be like, where's the fucking Reeve? Right. So, this is, I'm, I mean, I'm interested. Um, I, 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 I'm going to have to wait, what, two years? Oh geez, I'm doing a driver book right now. So that's you looking at next year releasing that, or? Uh, that's the hope. Um, okay. If I can, if I can keep on a pretty good clip, then I think I should be able to have it out by next summer. Okay. Which somewhere in the meantime, I will. I already started plotting out some of the second Reef book. Okay. I don't have much of it yet, though. So hopefully, in there somewhere, I will take some time to do the plotting out, so that I can pretty shortly thereafter release start writing, which. There's going to be a bigger gap between books this time around because I didn't, I don't, I had a while where I had things already on the back burner, kind of backlog mm-hmm. when I was still with the publisher because um, I was sitting on things. And then when I finally decided to start putting out stuff on my own, it was like I kind of had stuff ready to go. So now I, I'm going to have more of a probably a gap between releases. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. So the uh, I guess my last question I have it written down here, and it's the, the only question I have written down that I didn't ask is how did you decide on five? Like, how did you decide not to, like, because this was about, what, 50,000 words you said? Yeah, it's a very short novel. Like, right around? Yeah. So why did you decide to do that instead of putting out, you know, a 100,000-word novel where we kept going with him, brought him back or whatever? Um, Two reasons. One probably more drove the other, but based on how I want to have things laid out, this is sort of the the good stopping point for the okay. story, you know, and, and like I said, I sort of reverse engineered some of it based on that last song on that, in that Deftones album. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of always envisioned that being the end of the book anyway. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of leave you in a lurch. Um, but the reason for five books is that I, uh, I've in my, my, my reading, I, I been getting into a lot of philosophy and I have just been, 
obsessed with the these um, philosophical arguments for for the existence of God. So wholly apart from any particular faith system or whatever, right? So you can make arguments for or against whatever, and that's not the, the project. But the idea is that each book would sort of explore one of these philosophical arguments and, you know, sort of like... Interesting. Yeah, so there's these four arguments. So the first book doesn't really get into it too much. There's a little bit in the first chapter that, that sort of hints at, um, hints at it, but it, but the first book's just set up. So there, there'll be four arguments that I want to sort of explore you know, just because it's something that it just I, I enjoy things that make me think sure and it's one of these things that just you know I've been listening to podcasts and reading books and just it's something that intrigued me so and I always want there to be sort of a point in my book so I kind of wanted to make a readers think I guess all right hence Sweet. five books so all right. Well, you know, I'm kind of sad that I have to wait so long to figure out to find out what's going to happen. But I got to tell you, like, I'll be reading it day I, one. When I think you do the next it. book, I think the next one's going to be better than the first for sure. I just there's there's going to be a lot more action. Well, there was sure. a lot there was a lot of world building here. And right. I do this think, is again, it's all set up. And, you know, when I was reading it, like I was kind of craving that action in the middle of the book, kind of like that other reviewer said, you know, because I was just waiting for him to get to something. And I wasn't sure if it was just me, like, because this isn't normally the stuff that I read. You know what I mean? Like, like where you have to build a world, because like most of the stuff I read is firmly planted in the world that we exist in. You don't have to spend time doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. So, um. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm ready. I'm I mean, I'm ready to go for the next one. I guess what I have to do in the meantime now is refresh myself on the the driver books and get ready for that next year. I don't think you've read the third book yet, have you? Um Is that the Bedlam Beacon one? Beacon Road Bedlam. That one. Yep. I was close. I had I had two of the words. <laughs> um I don't think I read that one yet. No. Because I think I was in that in that same situation where I was like I should probably read um, Lady in Flames first, and then it's like, well, it's been forever since I read the the Camaro Murders, so maybe I should just go back to the beginning. I think I think it would be helpful. Were the first the first are they aren't all novella length? No, the first the first two are novellas, about thirty thousand words apiece. You can knock it out on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the third book is about sixty thousand words. Oh, okay. So still on the shorter end of a novel, but it's it's a little bit longer. And then are you is the next one going to be another novel length? I think so. Yeah, I think it probably should be similar length to uh, to the third book, but we'll see. Sweet. Yeah, I'll have to to dive back in. I uh, when I have time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I mean, is there anything else you want to say to the people about? from legend before we uh we wrap up this bonus episode i would say if you enjoy like i said it, it's sort of nuanced um it's it it's a little bit literary at times i think um but it's overall it's i i tried to make it accessible so i think it's an easy enough read it's a pretty short novel if you know if, if those wide-ranging influences sound like like how how would you how would you pull those together to make a coherent story then if that intrigues you, then then definitely pick it up and take a look. And if you do read it, would really appreciate a review. I owe you one of those. We'll get that up. We'll get that up shortly. But yeah, definitely. I, I urge everybody to read it because I had a good time with it. He he leaves you on a, a hell of a cliffhanger, and it just it's. I mean, it does exactly what it's supposed to do, and it leaves you wanting to know what happens next. So I think I can echo everybody who's read it already. And it's like, we're, well, we're ready. So just. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all anxiously awaiting the next the next chapter. I can't wait to start writing the next book. I I can't Sweet. I can't wait. All right. Well, I mean, anything else? No, that's all I got. Thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down with me to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna go through just our general thing here. Um, what we normally do when we're not doing these uh, these deep dives here. Well, this is the first deep dive, so whatever. Uh, what if is we take a never mind. Fuck it. Um, we're just going to wrap, I'm, I'm deleting all of that. Like that, I don't even know what the fuck I was saying right there. <laughs> what I'd like everybody to do is go join the Facebook group. 
Facebook.com slash groups slash pod. That's where you can go vote on the polls for the uh, story prompts that we do in our, our usual episodes. Uh, you could follow us at pod on Twitter or email us at promptlywrittenpod at gmail.com. Uh, everything Ian Lewis goes to ianlewisfiction.com, correct? Yeah, that works. And then for me, I'm at matchagaric.com, at matchagaric on Twitter. And then when I feel like getting out onto Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash sugnight. Um, all of these links are going to be in the show notes. Uh, episode 14 was going to be in a couple of weeks. It's coming out on October 7th, and our prompt for that uh, episode is kind of like a cloud, I was up way up in the sky, which is the first line of the Nine Inch Nails song, Down In It. Um, that just has to be somewhere in the story. So I'm kind of excited to write that, even though I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. We're going to see what happens in the next month. Uh, if you like what you hear here, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe in whatever app you subscribe to podcasts in and you know spread the word so we can, uh, we can help get the word out. So uh, that's it for today. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you.